Hello everyone, come to you with another spiritual myth buster, separation from God. Are you ready to hear this one? It's powerful. It's a powerful word. Are you ready to receive this powerful word? And that's another spiritual myth buster, separation from God. Yeah, okay, separation from God. I don't know who comes up with all this. But who is separated from Christ? Sinners, right? And so they say. Well, come with me and explore one of the most important paradigm shifts ever. As you read, suspend judgment until you allow the Holy Spirit to massage your heart. The differences between religion and life. The change of mind. The change of mind you will get is called repentance. So you ready to be in repentance, which will be a change of your mind. Begins by considering a way of seeing that I call legacy. A legacy is something that is passed down to people from one generation to the next. Sometimes it is a great legacy like character that is passed down. Other times it is something terrible like slavery passed down to generations. The key to a legacy is that someone else authored it. The question for us is, in whom are you looking for your spiritual legacy? So let's look at a lengthy but important passage in Romans 5. Verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. Verse 13, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not changed against anyone's account where there is no law. 14, nevertheless, death reigned from the time to a time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. Verse 15 says, But the gift is not like the trespass. Let me read this again. But the gift is not like the trespass. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many die by the trespass of one man, How much more that Father God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus the Christ, overflow to the many. Nor can the gift of Father God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive Father God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, So also one righteous 
act resulted in justification in life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also, so also, through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Verse 20, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's go by. I'm going to tell you a little bit about legacy of Adam and Christ. The, over, the overall message of this text is a comparison between what Adam did, <clears throat> excuse me, and how it affected mankind, and what Jesus Christ did and how it affected mankind. It is not a comparison between you and each one of them. It affects us, but it isn't directly about us. So after reading those passages, we should be asking, how many people were in Adam? Over and over again, he uses two phrases, all men and the many. All scholars agree he is talking about the same people. All were in Adam. When we think many, we assume it means most, but not all. But it is simply a Greek categorization for everybody. So how many people were in Christ? It had to be all. Not only because... It had to be all. Not only because that is what it says here, but 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 says, If Christ died for all, then all died. Then all died. He was incarnationally taking the whole race in himself. That means all humanity had to be in Christ. There is no limited atonement. Jesus is the elect one carrying not just Israel, but all mankind in him now. Making all elect. When was this grace planned for us? 2 Timothy verse or 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 says who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Jesus is called in another place by Paul the last Adam. If there is a long line of birds throughout history, but I tell you about the last one, what does that mean? It means it is about to go extinct. It means that the end of the line, he took the entire race of Adam or mankind with him onto the cross, representatively representing everyone, all, the whole earth, none left behind. If Jesus went to the cross as the last Adam, how much of Adam is left? None. Zero. 
the disobedience of Adam is gone, disappeared. But the Vatican, through the seminar, seminaries and, and Bible churches and all these churches that teach and give you a doctrine or degree or whatever for a pastor or seminary or whatever, you know, Bible studies or whatever. They keep you believing that you're still part of that, which is called religion. In Mark 15, verse 37, it says in the Amplified Version, And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed out his life. Just like Father God breathed the breath of life into Adam in the beginning, Jesus, as, a, as the last Adam, breathed the last breath of Adam, or the race of Adam, or the race of mankind. In other words, after the resurrection, Father God sees all of mankind through Christ's work on the cross and His resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 45 says, Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam then became, after the resurrection, a life-giving spirit. And that is what we're supposed to be believing that we are a life-giving spirit. So how many people did Adam's sin affect? It says in verse 18, Consequently, just one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. And how many people did Jesus' obedience affect? So also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. It doesn't say a handful. It doesn't say a remnant. Those people out there that are telling you, you must be part of the remnant. Blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry. What Father God did to Christ and did to all man. All mankind together as one. Paul references two legacies. One is a legacy of Adam and Jesus became the last of all that Adam was and leaves you. A legacy of all that the resurrected Christ is. You cannot be in Adam. You, through no effort of your own, were brought with all mankind into Christ. Let me ask you a question. Did your obedience make you righteous? No. It was Christ's obedience. That means your righteousness has nothing at all to do with you and everything to do with the complete and total work of Christ. You were included in the last Adam's death and you were included in his resurrection identity too. We are called to compare Adam's legacy and Christ's, then locate ourselves by grace in Christ's legacy. That is the point of this passage. The truth, the truth is that for most of us, we have more faith in sin of Adam and its effect than we do to the superior superiority of Christ's obedience and its effect. See, your believing doesn't make Jesus the Son of God. Your believing doesn't make Jesus go to the cross or make Him die for your sins. Your believing wasn't a trigger to raise Jesus from the dead. You had no part in what Father God was doing making you right with himself 
you contributed nothing. Your only part is to see it and let the faithfulness of Father God produce faith in you. Father God cut a covenant with Jesus to take all sin and bury it and raise him from the dead separate from it. He simply included you in what Christ did. Otherwise, he would still be waiting for you to keep up your end of the bargain, which you can never do. And I can never do. But I rest in the finished work of Jesus the Christ. And I rest in what Father did and fulfilled in Christ. That's where I'm resting. My jumping, my running, my screaming, my uh, spiritual warfare is not going to change anything. But my rest in Christ is going to change my whole mindset, my whole body, my whole mind, my whole heart, everything. We have a failure to grasp. But let's read this in Young's little translation starting in verse 18. So then, as through one offense to all men, it is to condemnation. So also through one declaration of righteousness, it is to all men, to justification of life. For as through the disobedience of one man, the many were constituted sinners. So also through the obedience of one, shall the many be constituted righteous. You are righteous and holy in Christ. And law came in, and the offense might abound, and where the sin did abound, the grace did overabound. There are actually about 33 different words in the New Testament for sin, but this word is not about sinning, an act, a behavior. This word for sin is used 174 times in the New Testament, so it is a major word about sin. Did you notice in the literal translation it doesn't say sins or sin, but calls it the sin? Why? It is because it is a noun, not a verb. It is not an action. It is a person, place, or thing. When the definite article, the, is in the front of the word faith, the faith, it refers to the faith of Jesus the Christ that he exercised his whole life representatively on our behalf. So then, so then what is the sin? It isn't the sin of Jesus because Jesus never sinned. It is the sin of of Adam and Jesus represented Adam and Adam was and is all mankind this Greek word is made up of two words amartia one is a with the ha sound and means not and the other is martia which could have two closely related meanings we have been told it means missed the mark of the prize but the actual word itself is either a part of, share of, or it means to grasp. So the word means not to not share in or not grasp. So the sin of Adam is that he failed to share in or grasp something. What was it? The serpent said, if you eat of this tree, you will become like God. And Adam was already created in the likeness and image of God. His sin was to, by his own effort, become like God. When God had already made him in his likeness, he failed to grasp his own identity and likeness, and he failed to share in Father God's image and likeness instead, saw himself less than he was, and immediately it created a spiritual blindness in him about himself and about Father God. 
And I see this happening in a lot of churches that have their own doctrines, that have their own denominations, that have their own, I don't know, carnal belief. Because this is not a spiritual belief. I can tell you for a fact. So why this talk about law being added? Because the law was never ever brought in to make us holy. It was never designed to make us right with God. On the contrary, it was designed for the opposite effect. It was given so that the offense might abound. And he calls this again the sin. Don't get confused here. Do not get confused here. Father God didn't give the law so that people would be stirred up and abound in killing more people or committing more adultery. The law came in so that, that the sin would abound. It would bring to the surface the, that striving to become like God, it was to bring them to an end of works, righteousness, and religion. That is the sin, not grasping onto their identity and separating themselves from truth. But watch how Jesus solved this. The solution is comparing sin and hypograce. And the law came in, and the offense might abound, and where did sin abound, the grace did overabound. That even as the sin did reign in the death, so also the grace may reign through righteousness to life age during through Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice that just like the sin, here Paul talks literally about the grace, not grace in general, but a specific kind of grace. It is the same grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It means the grace that was given to him. The grace is the grace that was given to Jesus Christ. The grace to endure the cross, but more than that. The grace is the grace that Father God extended to Jesus, who became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of Father God in him. When Caiaphas, the high priest, confessed the sins of the nation and the whole world over Jesus unwittingly, he was literally throwing the book at him. John 11, verse 49 through 52. Jesus became the epitome of sin for us, not only on the cross, but into the abyss called Hades. Jesus had nothing to bargain with. He simply trusted in his Father. And it was Father God who extended grace to every single sin and raised Jesus up anyway. Jesus was justified by faith. 1 Timothy 3, verse 16. It was Father God, the Father who set the Spirit of Holiness, Romans 1, verse 4, to cleanse Jesus of every one of those sins by raising Him from the dead. And it is that grace, the riches of grace, that have been given to you. You and your sins were included in that. Because you were included in Adam. But Jesus Christ represented Adam in everything he included. When Jesus Christ raised from the dead, you were included in that resurrection. You were included in that life. When Jesus resurrected, he became the life-giving spirit. And that is what you are, a life-giving spirit. He says sin abounded, but grace overabounded. Do you know that the comparison is? Do you know what the comparison is? Sin abounded, but grace, but grace, uh, number 5248, hyper, hyperperisuel, 
Hyper Beyond and 4052 Perisul abundantly exceeding properly beyond what already exceeds ultra superabounds. The very word here literally means hyper grace. So the big, the great big cosmic power, itty bitty living space. By way, there's more. John 1:29 says, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." Wow, not sins, plural. But this is the sin singular, the sin of Adam's failure to grasp that infected the world, bringing separation. That word world is cosmos, the entire cosmic order of things. What Christ did involved the entire cosmos. How can Jesus cleanse mankind of the sin of Adam, the sin of separation? He can infuse his victory into the entire universe. Colossians 1 verse 15 and on says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed through, he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace and everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once away from God. It is because in the incarnation God bound himself to mankind. Jesus Christ created everything that exists, things in heaven and things on earth. Everything is literally held together by Jesus Christ. Even you. Even your body. So if you have sickness, stop listening to the letter of the word in religion and you will not have sickness in your body. Everything consists in him. Every molecule is held together by him. Consider a glass full of color and water. Christ is the glass. The water is the Holy Spirit and the color is all creation. Everything that exists is literally inside of him. He is not the color, but he sustains it all within himself. How can anything or anyone that exists be outside of Christ? Therefore, what he experienced in his incarnation, death, burial, and resurrection, secondarily affects all creation. Ephesians 4 Verse 7 says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Did you see that? But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. You can do nothing to receive it. You cannot jump up and down. You cannot give a million dollars and receive your healing. You cannot give... Uh, a house to your pastor and then you you'll be blessed now you, you do if you have a cheerful heart and you're doing it because of your cheerful heart then that's something different but if you're giving it to do or to be close to God or or to be in a pedestal in front of every other member in your body or the church that you attend or that you be seen by your pastor and, and be presented in front of everybody no, you're doing it all wrong. That's why your body is sick. 
I'm sorry. It is true because you're not discerning the Lord's body. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean by... Oh, excuse me. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? Verse 10. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Well, guess what? He filled you up of everything that God is. All his nature is in you. And if you don't believe it, that's why you're sick. That's why there's sickness in your body. The Weymouth New Testament translation says that he ascended again far above all the heavens in order to fill the universe. God's word translation says went up above all the heavens so that he fills everything. New International Version says in order to fill the whole universe. New Living Translation says so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. And he did. And that's why you're still here. This is not pantheism. That says everything in the universe is Father God. It is not New Age. In that the one non-personal, non-trinitarian divine force of love in everything. Is in everything. It's not universalism. Universalism. That every, everyone will eventually say yes whether they like it or not. But it does mean that Christ has infused his life victory presence into the entire cosmos by removing any separation idea from mankind. Remember, we were alienated from God in our own minds. And we still are. Because we think that God is so far, 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 far away in another planet. Every fiber of your being is filled with the presence of Christ. Every lost person is simply blind. Every molecule, every molecule is vibrating with his ascension. We belong before we believe. Don't gloss over these scriptures and let their meaning impact you. Ephesians 4 verse 6 says, One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. A latter edition added in you all, but apparently it wasn't in the original text. Colossians 3.11 says that where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Did you notice that it says that Christ is the bar is in the barbarian, and some scholars believe that the mention of the Scythians represent an example of the, of the most barbaric? The most barbaric? It doesn't mean they have accepted Christ or even heard the gospel, but that, but that in some way, Father God has filled the universe, including unsaved barbarians with Christ's presence. That is the whole universe. That is the whole earth. That is the whole you. Your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter. He fills all in all. Or what about this one? John 14 verse 20 says, And that day you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. Has that day come to you? I hope today is that day that you will know that he is in you. The Father and you in him and him in you.
I hope that day is today that John 14:20 becomes a manifestation in your life and it says at that day you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you they will discover Christ in them how about Acts 17 27 through 29 so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us for in him we live we as in all of us you pagans and us Christians and move and have our being as also some of your own pagan poets have said for we are also his offspring therefore since we are the offspring of God Paul said to the Athenians that they too were the offspring of God even though they had not received the truth or that truth yet or believed unto the experience of life. Amazing, huh? Finally, uh, notice that Paul said about himself in Galatians 1, 15 through 16, But when it pleased God, who separated me from a mother's womb and called me through His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Did you catch that? It was not just that Father God revealed his son to Paul. That is true. But he revealed his son in him. We think that the encounter that Paul had with Jesus on the road to Damascus was one in which the bright light that was brighter than the sun was outside of him. He had that. But the place where he found Jesus was in him. Not only that. But without Paul's belief, permission, confession, or will, Father God chose in the womb, chose Paul in the womb. And of course, let's not forget John the Baptist, who was filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. A myth buster's conclusion. Separation is an illusion. What Father God did for the Son included all mankind. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of our people and especially of those who believe. 1 Timothy verse 10. And He is a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2, 2. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Luke 2 verse 10. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Ephesians 3, 14-15 There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and in all, and living through all. Ephesians 4, 5-6 through 6. Let me read this again. There is one Lord, it doesn't say there's a devil. It doesn't say anything about demons. It says there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. That is so powerful. It doesn't mean everyone has believed in Christ. That doesn't mean that everyone has been sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. But it does mean that Christ's victory is so extraordinary that everything and everyone in creation was reconciled by it. 
It means that when you preach the gospel to a Muslim, every molecule in his body is resonating with a witness of the truth. That is why when you preach the worst of the worst, the presence of Christ at every level other being is hearing a harmony with reality. We are not believing something to make it true. We are believing news in the past of what is already true. Mankind is blind to the gospel, but when we proclaim it, Father God commands light to shine in the darkness. Repent, change your mind, believe, and accept what he has done. Myth busted. You are not separated from Christ. You are one, holy, righteous, sanctified, redeemed, son and daughter of God. You want your healing today? You want your healing? Believe that you and God are one. Believe that you and the life-giving spirit of Christ, of God, in you is infused in your body, in your mind, in that organ that's failing, in that cancer that's growing. Let that life-giving spirit kill those cancer cells that don't belong in your body. What about that kidney? You need a new kidney? Do you need a new kidney? That kidney is brand new right now because he is giving it to you because he is inside of you and you and him are one. Do you need a new heart? God's going to give you a new heart. Do you need new lungs? God is forming new lungs in you because as he is, so are you. God is not sick. As a matter of fact, Father God is our health. Draw from your source of Father God in you. Draw from that. Draw from those living waters in you. Draw. Draw. The Spirit of God is within you. Father God, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. And I know that many will believe and will hear and see what you're doing in their lives and the lives those around them. We bless you and I hope you had a good evening. I hope this word was a nice, platable word and helped you realize, helped you know and ascertain from the truth that is within you of who you are and Father God through Christ of what he has done not what are you trying to do stop trying to do just rest in what he did read the word meditate on it the answers are there you are failing to believe because religion is telling you that you are a sinner you're not a sinner you are a righteous you are Righteous and holy because of Christ. Because of Him, you are everything that He is. Be blessed. Good night.